And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He's Gary McNamara. <laughs> I'm Eric Harley. It's way out Wednesday. <laughs> well, I, I don't even know where to start because you and I are just talking about, you know, two or three different topics and all of a sudden the music says we're on the air and it's like well sh- here here again the show is interrupting our conversation they you know the question and to be clear this is a question not an accusation does the cocaine belong to jill <laughs> wait let me do the full keith morrison but what we want to know is does the cocaine belong to jill <laughs> <laughs> the uh the report and then, and then uh lester holt will you know do his you know part which is basically just going to commercial right on dateline more dateline after this and wow um and, but and, uh, yeah, and this, this this is the new york post story yeah and and i just threw that <laughs> i threw that out I was, I was looking at the headline it said you know white house cocaine may have belonged to biden family orbit member that's in quotes biden orbit family member. orbit uh, yeah, and then well, in, in well, quote, but, that, just, but that that's and, and I went and I just looked at Eric and I said, "Jill's doing cocaine." Jill's doing. <laughs> Jill doing we're just asking questions. We are not making accusations. Um, but if you say Biden family orbit member, well, I mean, try to whittle that down with just Hunter's group alone. <laughs> okay, I mean. There could be everything from retired circus clowns plumbers, and I'm not saying this generally speaking about plumbers. I'm just saying it could be uh it could be a number of people. Uh, we'll throw in the obligatory Wall Street people, because they're evil on the left, you know. All these people on Wall Street. Um, how many, that right there opens it up. If you say orbital, Biden family orbital member, oh my gosh. When you go around the room, right, 
With Joe, it's going to be a pretty big group. Okay. All right. Well, that doesn't help. Then you go to Jill. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you go to the other family members, the president's brother and, you know, who else. And then you get to Hunter. And it's like you see all these people in his orbit, which apparently changes quite a bit. That reminded me of a joke. Yeah. Well, it was Norm MacDonald. Mm. Uh, I was on YouTube yesterday and just on random. And when you're on random, anything comes up. And so Norm MacDonald comes up. Mm. And with the lottery, did anybody win the lottery? Uh, we don't we know, know yet. Anybody win the lottery? We don't know yet. Yeah, it was a $1.5 billion. Yeah. And it was, and he's talking, he says, and he's like, there's only, <laughs> there's only <laughs> one group of people who won't change their life if they win the lottery. Uh-huh. It's like, who? And he goes, crackheads. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't say crackheads, though. He yeah, used the yeah. W-H-O-R. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but, but it was it was so it was so funny when he's... So you just you had me thinking of that. But just so you know the story, and this is really interesting because uh, when I saw just the, the, uh, the head... When I saw the, the uh, label of the media outlet, Soldier of Fortune publisher... And I just haven't heard soldier, well, soldier, soldier of fortune. It should be fortune mm-hmm. in the longest time. But it says uh, the New York Post story, a bag of cocaine found on the West Wing last month reportedly may have belonged to someone in the Biden family orbit. And the president allegedly knows who it is. Soldier of fortune publisher Susan Katz Keating made the shocking claim, citing three security sources in a report published Sunday, even texting a number linked to President Biden in a bid to sniff out the culprit. The Post has not been able to independently confirm the Soldier of Fortune report, and the Secret Service has vehemently denied it, according to Keening, while the Secret Service publicly announced on July 13th that they had closed the investigation without identifying a suspect due to a lack of physical evidence. Authorities were able to follow enough clues to come up with a name and were confident enough in their detective work to inform the commander-in-chief. If you want the name, ask Joe Biden, one source told Keating. Mm. He knows who it is. It was someone it, is, yeah. it was someone within the Biden family orbit, and it wasn't Hunter, said a second source, referring to the president's adult son. Uh-huh. Well, no, we already ruled that out. Yeah, Hunter no. doesn't leave any cocaine behind. <laughs> so we know it's not Hunter's. Keating then said she texted a number provided by the White House purportedly to uh, to send Biden SMS messages and ask point blank. Three trusted sources tell me the Secret Service gave you the name of the person who brought the cocaine into the executive mansion. Is it true? If so, can you please confirm the name? The message from Keating bounced back with the label not delivered. The Post sought to replicate the process by texting the same number provided in the Soldier of Fortune article. The response appeared to be an automated text linking to a community message platform. So... All right, well, so that story may not have been ju- just for the because we're just laughing about it earlier. That story may not yet have should have been ready to be published. I was going to say at doesn't at, at feel very point. vetted. Yes. Just yet. Now, I will say this. I do believe Joe Biden knows who it is because I believe that the Secret Service found out who it is. And they and he wanted to know. Whose it was, I don't have any doubt that he knows who it, it is. It, in terms of anything else coming from the story, it, it doesn't feel very 
vetted just yet. It could be accurate, but it feels... Secret Service uh, spokesperson said that they do not know. Mm. When asked for a response, they do Mm. not know. Yeah, right. Yeah, of course. We don't know. We don't know. You know, if only there were a way to find out. (laughs) I mean, it's so stupid. Secret Service gives up after a few days. Well, we got nothing. Did you take fingerprints? No, no, we don't know. The the spokesperson for the Secret Service says our source is the independent crime lab of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Uh, this institution is uh, with uh, is not affiliated with the Secret Service or the Department of Homeland Security. The FBI is nationally accredited in the area of forensic science and following parents in school parking lots, and they conducted a very thorough analysis of the packaging. Now. What part of that sentence did I add to the story? Uh, Can you figure out what part? Yeah. The FBI is nationally accredited in this area of forensic science and <laughs> getting license plates of parents in school parking lots, and they conducted a very thorough analysis <laughs> of the packaging. What What did I add? I don't think you added anything. <laughs> I don't sense anything was added. Well, there. I may have added it to give perspective to the FBI. Well, well. Uh, by the way, uh, thank you to uh, Linda, one of our great listeners uh, who listens every night. Uh, someone bought the winning ticket in Florida. Winning ticket one, winning ticket sold in Florida for the Mega Millions, $1.58 billion. And Yahoo News is uh, is also reporting the same. I don't say where in Florida, uh, somewhere in Florida. That changes your life a little bit. Yeah. So uh, you know, we have to uh, remind people that it's the the advertised annuitized jackpot is one point five eight. That's if they took the money that they have, the actual cash portion of that, and put it in annuities at today's rates. For 30 years, it would be $1.58 billion. Uh, it's uh, after taxes. It's it's usually somewhere in the area of about a third, depending on, you know, what state you live in and everything. So it's for someone, it's Florida. still going to be. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, still going to be uh, $500 million roughly in there. I mean, if you take the cash payout after taxes, somewhere around there. So, yeah, that'll a half a billion dollars that will that will change your life. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You know, the one guy that won uh, the one of the other ones, uh, it was, a you know, close to a billion or somewhere around a billion. They call him the billion dollar lottery winner. And he came out and he went to the podium, told everybody his name and the whole thing. And he's hired around the clock security. He has a security guard with him at all times. One of the cars he bought was this collector uh, Porsche 911, and he he bought it, uh, and it's a two-seater. So no one else can really go with him because he takes his security with him everywhere he goes. And there's so there's someone on at his side and it, or in his home if he's at home uh, 24-7. That would suck. Excuse my I language. I Sorry like for that. my bluntness. But um, I have a family member who works for somebody who is famously wealthy. 
a, a lot wealthier than the these lottery winners. And I wouldn't want to do the job she's doing, let alone uh, be that person, be famously wealthy, is is something that, um, you know, the Mark Cubans of the world. When when you like when you sell your company or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, however you make that mil- those millions or Warren Buffett or Donald Trump. You know, any of them that are famously wealthy, we always talked about Donald Trump's private security is as good as or after the whole White House cocaine incident, better than some in the Secret Service. I won't say all, but those are people that are highly trained and. You know, that's he's got really, really tight security, whether he had Secret Service detail or not. Uh, So that's what you have to deal with. And the protocols that have to be in place, because you you don't know what to expect. You know, somebody who may not be in their right mind. Wants to approach you, they find out where you live and then they want to approach you and all of a sudden they come to your door. And, you know, want to do you harm or whatever. But kidnap you to get the cash. I think Mark Mark Cuban said it, uh, that he gets requests for money. It's it's like a ton of requests every day. Everything from nonprofits to people just saying, you know, hey, would you pay my loan off or whatever? You know, and that's just something you would another thing you would have to deal with. I know somebody who won the Texas lotto and it was 7 million was the prize. And within 24 hours they had to take, and back then there were no cell phones and they had to disconnect their home phone and they left the state. They had to, um, it, the word got out. I don't know how it got out. I still don't know the details on that, but this is somebody who was involved in uh, volunteer work for a long, long time. And they, you know, they had to stop doing that. And once word got out that they had any money at all, and $7 million is nowhere close to what we're talking no, about in no, no, last no. night's drawing, you know, or what yeah. a Mark Cuban has and Warren Buffett. Yeah, as uh, when uh, I think I just said on the air about a week ago, maybe it was two weeks ago, that I have everything that I want in life now because I my new phone. I know. I I got I got five G on the phone, so yeah. there's nothing else that I need in in uh, in in my life. We we both got the same phone. Yeah, and 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 I love it. It, it but the camera. I'm figuring out the camera. Oh yeah, the camera's great. And yeah. I've always wanted to do amateur photography stuff, but the cameras that you know the decent cameras are going to cost you anywhere from a couple of grand, you know, maybe four or five grand, depending on what you buy. And I don't know what I'm doing with that stuff just yet. Mm-hmm. So I figure, okay, I'll learn more about it. Let's see how good I can get with the really good. It's a pretty good camera on this phone. No, it is. I, and when that, you when yeah, you learn highlight. how to use it, and I'm learning that, and and I thought to myself, okay, I'll do it like I did with my children and instruments. Uh, when my son wanted to play guitar when he was very young, I said, here's a good instrument, right? And it's not, you know, it's not a cheap. Uh, you know, retail store one. It's a, it's a good instrument. And let's see where your curiosity and your drive takes you. And he's a brilliant guitar player. And, uh, you know, and that's the same with me here. Let's see if I actually 
because yeah. it's not easy. You got to be patient to be a but photographer. It, but when I when I got five G, it was like oh, I really don't need anything else in my life. Yeah, I wouldn't want to live in a mansion. No, I'm, I wouldn't I'm not want a, the I wouldn't I, want the upkeep. Yeah. I, I I'm not a mansion kind of you yeah. know person. It yeah. just no. I I don't. No. And you know what, really, for, for me, that it would be? I couldn't walk into an all-stone, basically, you know, your your lobby of your house mm-hmm. where there's, like, marble. Because mm-hmm. that's not a home to me. It's not mm-hmm. warm. Mm-hmm. I look at most mansions, and I see how big it is, and I go, there's no warmth to it. Yeah. It's almost like a government building. You know, I, yeah. don't, I don't want 30-foot mm-hmm. ceilings. You right. know, I just, yeah. that's not what I want. I want, yeah. I'm, and, and it's what I'm used to. I mean, guess if you're born into it, you may be accustomed to it. But I did think the only thing that, the and, and everything that I want, like the phone, the reason I love it is it makes my life more efficient and productive. Mm-hmm. It's not like, okay, it's a luxury where I can sit and do nothing. The only other thing, if I won that kind of lottery, I could justify in my mind uh, flying private jets to go see my dad all the time. Yeah, cut down, Make, cut, cut down on the time that it takes time. you to get there. That would be that would really be that it. would be worth it. Yeah, that would and not that, because of the luxury of it, but because of the uh, well, the logistics of it. Yeah, the logistics. It would save yeah. me, you know, it would save me what you know five or six hours. Right. Yeah. You know, just because you don't have to do what you know, uh, you don't have to wait around. You have to go to TSA. Yeah. You walk in. You mm-hmm. just walk right up. Boom. You're you're in the air. Mm-hmm. And so that would. So I realize I go okay. Well, you know. It makes me a little abnormal where everything that I want that's a luxury is something that makes my life more productive and efficient. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I also wouldn't want, I'd love to take one of these super sports cars out to Texas Motor Speedway and go around the track. I, I would be so nervous, though, if it were mine driving it around. Where are you going to park it? Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. Eight six six ninety red eye Keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance. Think your PM is complete after your oil is changed? Think again. There's grease, transmission fluids, and gear oil to consider, too. Transmission fluid, for example, prevents wear of gears, bearings, and bushings, protects against corrosion, and acts as a heat transfer fluid. You may not think about this every time you get behind the wheel, but as soon as it's not doing its job, you'll notice. Misapplication of transmission fluid can mean reduced fuel economy and abrupt or hard shifts if the static friction is too high. It can also cause sluggish operation at low temperatures if the viscosity is too high and leaking through seals if viscosity is too low. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price 
you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. So lately, I've been on a mission to change the way people view their finances and to encourage people to overcome obstacles and adversity. It's just more and more important to me every day. So I've teamed up with the folks at Life Surge. Life Surge is a one-day faith-based event where you'll walk in hungry for success and you'll leave ready to build your resources to leave an impact on others. We're talking faith-fueled finance, growing resources, crushing obstacles, and then, yeah, using it all for something way bigger than yourself. I'll be joining Life Surge in Cincinnati on Saturday, August 3rd. Joining me in Cincinnati is Nick Vujicic, the man with no arms or legs that speaks about his trials and triumphs. Soul surfer and author Bethany Hamilton, Duck Dynasty's Willie Robertson, and author and pastor Craig Groeschel, star of CNBC's The Prophet, Marcus Lemonis, and Bethel Music. That's Life Surge, Cincinnati, on Saturday, August 3rd. Tickets are on sale exclusively at lifesurge.com. I hope to see you there. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Wow, so much uh, uh, going on here today. James Comer to release more Biden family bank records this week. The L.A. Times article, Making Employees Show Up in Person to Work, Exposes Them to Racism. Biden, yeah. on, Biden, okay. on, Biden on Monday. Mm. Uh, we are, Our goal is to be 100% renewable energy by 2035. Uh-huh. Tuesday, the only place where we can get competitive world marketplace uranium so we can supply it for ourselves in order to have nuclear, the president took that off. Mm. Can't do that. Can't can't get it. So now we'll be relying on Russia and China for our, ura- for our uranium yeah. that we would need if you're truly going to be renewable. Again, it's the insanity of the left and the insanity of this administration when it comes to our energy and economic security. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, the president uh, near the Grand Canyon yesterday promoting uh, climate change and shutting down the ability for the U.S. Uh, to mine uranium. Uh, here's part of what he had to say yesterday. The Grand Canyon, one of the Earth's Nine wonders, wonders of the world, literally. Think of that. You know, it's amazing. I I lost count. There might be nine. There could be more. I mean, in today's age, 
I guess we wonder about a lot of things. <laughs> now I'm sounding like Kamala Harris. I'm sounding like I smoked weed. Well, maybe maybe <laughs> other geographical formations in the world identify as a natural wonder. As a maybe, wonder. Maybe two more do. Yeah. Or maybe he was including Stevie Wonder. They That used to be kind of the oh, thing, yeah. how they promoted him, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, would, that that been, was his stage been... name, in fact. Uh, Steve Lynn Morris was his, yeah. is he, his real name. He would have been the eighth wonder of the world then. Yeah, right. exactly. So. I think that's what he promoted him. And so there could be nine. We could be up to nine. But the president out there promoting the fact of, you know, protecting the land near the Grand Canyon, just so you know, because we, we all know, and the president on Monday talked about it again. The whole thing is to have renewable energies only by 2035. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're talking less than 12 years. Yeah. All right. Which means wind, solar, and what else? What else is left? Hydro can't. We've we've maxed out on hydro. In fact, probably yeah, over the last. I think we're going backwards. Yeah, on we're hydro. going back. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. some rivers, you know, protect salmon things like that. So yeah. we're going backwards on hydro. We're not right. going. We're not moving forward on it. Right. We're going the opposite way on that. Right. So we have wind, solar, and what? Nuclear. Uh nuclear. That's that's it. And and far down the road, maybe hydrogen. Oh, that's far down the road. Yeah. We're talking. Yeah. We're we're talking in twelve years. Yeah. It will not be hydrogen in 12 years. It may not be hydrogen for 100 years. I I don't know if there's going to be, in terms of the expansion for nuclear, there should be an expansion, but it's the whole NIMBY effect we've talked about well, for, forever. But Not only that, as the Wall Street Journal points out, uh, the statement about protecting lands omits the fact that the land also includes America's only source of high-grade uranium ah. or that is economically competitive on the global market. Yeah, okay. The U.S. imports 95% Mm -hmm. of the uranium used for nuclear power reactors from Kazakhstan, Canada, Russia, and Australia. Russia is the U.S.'s third biggest uranium source. Uh, Mr. Biden banned imports of Russian fossil fuels by executive order last spring. But U.S. nuclear plants continue to rely on Russia uranium for their fuel supply. Mm -hmm. The new national monument, the fifth of Biden's presidency, will make it much harder for the U.S. to replace Russia uranium. Mm -hmm. Vladimir Putin sends his thanks. The unstated purpose of the national monument appears to be to block uranium mining. Arizona Democratic representatives have proposed legislation that would permanently withdraw the Grand Canyon area from new mining claims. Democrats couldn't pass this through Congress, so Mr. Biden is doing it by decree. Progressives want to block all mining in the U.S., including for critical minerals such as lithium and nickel that are needed to power their green energy transition. Right. But that means mining will occur in other countries with fewer environmental protections. There is currently no limit to the president's power to remove land from development and public use. Environmental groups even argue that presidents can't roll back predecessors' designation 
this interpretation of one-way executive power is more sweeping than the Grand Canyon and is crying out for a legal challenge. That's the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And and look, it's fine. If you want to sit there and say we're not going to do nuclear, but we're going to do natural gas and we're going to do coal in order to back it up, well, then fine. You've made a decision. Mm -hmm. But if you're saying we can't do natural gas, natural gas has to go, coal has to go, we're going to be we're going to be relying on our enemies for uranium for the backup power that we will need mm-hmm. the massive backup power that we're going to need what about storage capacity when it comes to lithium and batteries if well, you're if you're right. talking solar or wind exactly evs all e- the mandates in, everything. In, that are in place for evs we've been talking about this we told you that the that the left wanted to shut down even for lithium. They put in the mandate for EVs, and they're shutting down lithium. the source yeah. for the batteries. Can any Democrat tell us how that makes any kind of sense? Right. Now, we know that the grid, the, the, uh, the grid uh, operators last week went and told the White House, we can't do this you had the the uh car companies all go to the white house we can't do this ford says we're gonna we're on uh, track to lose four billion dollars this year because of evs hot but democrat they don't care about how it you know how to make it actually work they throw it out it sounds good and then, as we have seen, the grid providers saying, we can't continue to do this. We're shutting down coal. We're shutting down natural gas. We can't do this. And then the, the utmost insanity here in the state of Texas, if you haven't heard this, if you, if you, if you have, because we, we've repeated this, because this shows you the extent of the complete and total insanity of the Democrats when it comes to our energy security economic security and our national security yeah, because yeah. power is about national security yep and so and and going after our own oil natural gas more of of our own uh, uh power resources is what we should be doing but in the state of texas everybody knows about free zola from february of 21 a winter storm that could compare to anything that you would see Anywhere in the north. Mm-hmm. I know. I grew mm-hmm. up in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And that matched anything that Buffalo's ever thrown uh, you know, at us. Maybe not, for example, the amount of snow, but the cold and the freeze and everything else, which most people aren't prepared for uh, 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 down here, matched anything that you could have up there. Yeah. And so what yeah. happened? The windmills couldn't run. Right. The solar panels couldn't run. In fact, the windmills go into protection right. mode at a certain temperature, cold temperature, right. Uh, to protect the motors, they start pumping oil into into the motors, and they quit producing. And and so the uh, the the uh, the gas or coal power plants uh, weren't set up for that particular uh, you know that particular cold. They said, "Look, we're not going to do long term cap. We're not going to sit there and retrofit all of these things and do long term capital investment when we've been told we're shutting you down." Right. And you can't afford and, to do what they're 
uh, what what's happening over and over again in the whole green industry where you're investing in something that's not paying off. So you, you, I don't know where they go. So what has happened in the state of Texas is the fact of, okay, we've got to do something so it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been, uh, I don't know about yesterday, but the day before they were like, uh-oh, we may not have wind power. Mm-hmm. We may not have enough electricity to run the grid. Mm-hmm. That was two days ago. Now right. it didn't have, thank goodness, the wind. We've had a lot of wind when we've had real hot temperatures. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. Mm-hmm. But that's we're we're going to continue to shut down consistent forms of energy and rely even more on wind and solar, and that's where you're going to run into problems. Right. And and so, but so what they've done is because the federal government now and in the infrastructure plan again more more wind more solar. So, hey, just like anybody else, we've got places you can produce wind. I believe we're still the number one wind state. Yeah, I, I, I haven't think seen that's that. Yeah, I, I think that's still the case right now because we've got, you know, so much land here. So, hey, you offer free money, people are going to take it. Mm-hmm. And so they've built this infrastructure where on a windy day, uh, wind power can take care of 60% of the needs. The wind dies Where's the replacement power? Right. So Republicans said, okay, what well, we're here's our plan to build, I think it was 10 new natural gas plants. Right. That will only run 10% of the time. They're only for backup because they can be online like that with natural gas. Mm. And so that's going to have to be, that would raise prices tremendously. And also you would have to, uh, uh, it would it would uh, uh, raise prices and need to be subsidized by the state. So because of what the federal government is doing, the state has to come in and say, well, this can't work. Therefore, we need a bunch of natural gas plants that will just run 10% of the time. And so we're going to have to subsidize wind, solar, and natural gas. So when they did that solution, we're just shaking our heads going, what insanity, and then... Less than a week later, the federal government came out, the Biden administration, uh, we're going to have much tougher uh, 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 restrictions now on natural gas plants. Mm -hmm. So they want to make it so you can't have natural gas plants as backups. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, okay, well, solar and wind, solar and wind, solar and wind. Well, then we need to have nuclear. All right, let's make sure we shut down Hmm. any attempt to produce our own uranium at a, you know, where we can produce it at a competitive market rate. So we're more dependent on our enemies for something that we absolutely need. Any Democrat, please tell us how that makes any damn sense at all. And, nope. and, and now everybody's putting out the warnings. The automobile companies are putting out the warnings. The grid operators are putting out the warnings. And... The administration is doing the opposite of what they should be doing. The more it becomes more critical, the more they spit in your face and say, we don't give a damn about the energy and economic security and national security of the United States. We want to live in this fantasy world. Hey, let's take another toke and sit there and live in pretend land. Well, they they clearly and, and have been for a long time. They want, they see a path to nationalizing energy. 
Once they can do that, it's over. You break everybody in the supply chain. You break them all. And then you control everything. And that's exactly where we're going. How do you set a mandate in place that clearly, and then shut down the supply domestically for the lithium that's required for the batteries? Yeah, I know. <laughs> they, they do all this stuff, and they want to shut down any ability to produce what they actually need to live in their nirvana world right. that doesn't exist. Yep. Just amazing. I mean, it's enormously expensive right now. Just wait until we have to sit here and hold our hand out to Afghanistan, who has sizable lithium fields. Afghanistan is what I mentioned. That Afghanistan. 86690 Red Eye. Lines open for your calls. 86690 Red Eye on Red Eye Radio. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. <laughs> He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. <laughs> you see the, uh, we'll, we'll get to this here. Interest on the federal debt now has hit 15.5% of all federal, federal revenue. Hmm. Uh, the the deficit's going through the roof. Yeah. You're not going to hear. How could it not, right? You're not going to hear. I don't think Biden talked about that. Uh, no, that's so, not part you, of Bidenomics. You haven't seen that in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Remember, well, they've been talking yeah, about how yeah. they've reduced, you know, the the, uh, the 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 debt and the deficit so much, which isn't true. Right. You know, it's the same thing when they say, you know, we've had, thir- you know, 13 million new jobs. Mm. Well, no, not really. No. <laughs> Those were jobs that were canceled temporarily for COVID and then came back once you were president. That wasn't because of economic growth. Yeah. Of massive, massive economic growth. So, uh, but uh, there it is. Washington stages a peacetime fiscal blowout. Yeah, I mean the the yeah. this isn't good where you see it going. And now with you know interest rates, when are they going to come down? Well, the Fed's and, not even talking about lowering interest rates. It's just the opposite. They're considering whether they're going to raise them more uh, any any time between now and the end of the year. So. It's there. There really is no hope. I, I haven't seen any analysts talking about. Well, there's there's thought that the Fed could drop interest rates. 
that talk went away. The other thing is the massive deficit. Yeah. While we actually have not great growth, but mild growth, mm-hmm. it's not doing anything. No, it's not doing anything. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right. Uh, got, uh, I think it was more, I don't know if it was more Twitter or email, whatever, but, uh, we haven't, we haven't mentioned it cause we're not really, we're not really sports, you know, we're not, uh, sports announcers. We're not really a sports show. <laughs> Go team. <laughs> Except for when it intersects, you know, with, uh, uh, uh you know, politics or the, in, in or. Or when sports becomes, or a sports figure becomes part of the arena of ideas. I will be angry if it was Tom Brady that bought the winning ticket in Florida. (laughs) He wins everything. Well, okay, well, that's fine, because then then we discuss (laughs) society and the the impact of jealousy and envy. I know, exactly. I was going to say, I'm going to start start engaging in that jealousy and envy thing. (laughs) Exactly, which we've talked about many times. But it was about, uh, and, and some people say, you guys haven't talked about this. And I go, well, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, okay. we'll mention it. I mean, because okay. it's something that we've actually brought up before, one of the problems in sports announcing. And this is where the Baltimore Orioles announcer, Kevin Brown, yeah, yeah, was yeah, suspended yeah. for basically broadcasting the truth about the team's... The uh, team's record against an, another yeah, team. Against, against, yeah. yeah, against the Tampa Bay Rays. That, yeah. You know, they're doing better, and they didn't do well at, at one time when they went to play Tampa. Yeah. And, and it was like, okay, I mean, it was nothing. And <laughs> management basically suspended, you yeah. know, suspended. But this is something that, and, and I am very well aware of this because I still am friends with people, uh, as you know, sports broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything has changed. The problem is, because nobody even talked about this, is all the announcers, almost, I'll put it this way, I won't say all, almost all the announcers for all major league sports, professional sports, work for the team. They're not independent contractors who are hired to give a fair analysis of the team. It's not why they're there. Right. And that's what's changed in sports announcing over the last, you know, 30 years. It used to be where, and I know this for a fact because um, I, I used to hire sports announcers when I was a radio station manager to do college basketball and, and, uh, and, and minor league baseball. And so minor league baseball is still on the professional realm, but they worked for me. I hired them because of their expertise in sports announcing and analysis, and that's what they did. Now, sometimes you'd get 
you know, pushback from the team. Hey, you know, you guys, but then you deal it management to management. You say, well, is it the truth? Right. Well, do you, do you want the announcers to obviously be homers? Well, back then they, most teams would probably say, no, yeah, the credibility of the announcer. They don't care about the credibility of the announcers now. They don't care. No. You have, this is a bizarre thing. I, I, I see this now. Uh, now that the NFL's starting up and everybody's at training camp, mm. you see the analysis. You can go to YouTube and see the analysis, and the vast majority of people, the local people doing the analysis on the team's training camps, all work for the teams. Yeah, yeah, they're not independent, right? And so, it, you know, you you don't. <laughs> I'm waiting for that in news broadcasting. I'm waiting for Chuck Todd, the NBC, to say. Look, we're now owned by Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're, Joe Biden bought us. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's what's going on. And it's to the point where, and I sit and I die laughing. Mm. And and uh, when you'll sit there and there's a press conference going on, and you'll see two or three of the questions that are asked by so-called reporters are actually people that work for the team. And they're asking the questions at a press conference. Well, they work for the team. They're not independent reporters. No. And that's what you're going to get when sports becomes more promoting, you know, a, uh, I, I think, a positive entertainment narrative mm. instead of, okay, what's really going on with the team. They don't want that. No. They don't want what's really going on with the team. They want everything is beautiful and everything mm. is 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 roses and i'm sure they look at it and they go look this isn't life or death this is sports and it's entertainment and we need to keep people excited so they buy tickets and, and they buy the cable package <laughs> but that's what's going on is you now have you know you used to have a buffer you know and so on the national level most of the announcers still work like if, you know, Fox, NFL, those people on the national level still work for the networks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they still work for the, the networks. They work for ABC, NBC, CBS. They still hire them. And so if there's a problem, there's a buffer, which would be the management saying, no, this is our most popular, you know, this is our most, uh, uh, you know, uh, popular announcer. Mm-hmm. And the person's popular, and with the feedback we get is great because this person, you know, the audience believes tells the truth. And so you have that. So on the national level, it's not there yet. But on the local level, the vast majority of of the sports announcers and analysts and pregame and postgame all work for the company. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's now, I mean, it's starting to get known. I mean, there's my, my, my buddy, Jeff, uh, there's, there's, a uh, one hockey analyst and, and the team can be, they can win one game and lost 40. Well, they're really showing a lot of spark tonight and they're really coming out and playing well. <laughs> and if they continue to, and it's just like, they suck. <laughs> if they could just score more than the other team. <laughs> and. And it's just like, you know, that and and you know, it's like, oh man, the home you know, what a what a homer. But mm-hmm. uh you know, that's um and when we say what a homer is for people that 
don't know sports lingo, we're not uh, talking about the uh, Homer Simpson. We're not talking about the Simpsons. We're talking about... We might you're, talk you're, about Homer Simpson later. You're, you're a Homer, which means you're not really telling the truth. Mm-hmm. You're just cheerleading for your team. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's it uh, there. And the other thing is, and and uh, uh, the whole thing on... Uh, I, I'm telling you, I didn't think... Because we're already to Wednesday this week, and and uh, the Megan Rapinoe thing is still huge. And I was reading the National Review, and they had um, no Republicans do not politicize women's soccer. Because what you see is, and you see this a lot, the left will do something, and the right responds, yeah. and they'll say, "Why does the right politicize this?" Yeah, right. And this was uh, Noah Rothman who's written some good articles this week. As a new New Republic senior editor, Alex Shepard, set out to refute the claim advanced by some on the right that the U.S. women's soccer team's uh, loss to Sweden on penalty kicks was an outgrowth of the team's commitment to wokeness. In that effort, he does a workmanlike job of demonstrating why the team's tactical decisions on the field are sufficient to explain Monday's unsatisfying results. Uh, Shepard does, however, take up the claim from mediocre former U.S. soccer player Alexi Lalas, who called the women's team polarizing to such an extent that it has hurt the brand among right-of-center Americans. That, Lalas implies, uh, explains why some of the loudest voices on our cultural discourse appear to view the team's loss as a source of personal validation. Hmm. And you've seen that. I, mean, I, I, I think that I have seen more than I've ever seen before of any team that allegedly represents America. <laughs> Where you've had, I mean, I've never seen, I've never seen this before. The response, which was like, "I'm glad they lost. I'm glad they lost." Mm-hmm. And so now the left's coming out saying, "See how they're politicizing it," and the we're, the the right doesn't like the United States of America because they won't cheer for the team and they're making it political. Yeah. And and it says uh, he writes the following: It figures like Donald Trump, and for that matter, DeSantis who Lalas has endorsed, who have injected politics into the sports discourse, drawing the women's team into a conversation no one asked for and attacking them for their own benefit. The U.S. didn't polarize anyone by speaking out. Figures like Trump did by warping their work into culture war, <laughs> culture wars uh, and stump speech fodder. And then Nora Rothman says, well, that's nonsense. For the better part of a decade now, the U.S. women's soccer team has served often willingly and with direct participation of its members as the avatars of a campaign to illustrate the supposed pay gap endured by women performing the exact same roles uh, as men. President Obama deployed the team's members as human props in a campaign to popularize the injustice of the so-called pay gap, a claim so baseless that Obama's own Bureau of Labor Statistics and a handful of U.S. district courts disputed the pay gap's very existence. The U.S. women's national soccer team co-captain, Megan Rapino has delighted in starting political feuds with Republican lawmakers and using her celebrity to advance divisive political causes. She is not shy about using the most incendiary language available uh, to make her points, even at the risk of alienated would-be consumers of her sport. She has so deliberately inserted herself into the national political debate that Democratic pollsters tested her appeal in a hypothetical presidential election against Trump. 
and Rapino isn't alone. In 2019, the Associated Press celebrated the team's off-the-field activist role as champions for a variety of social justice causes. Mm. Rapino and her teammates engaged in polarizing political debates, and that activism has had a polarizing effect. Republican lawmakers are not responsible for injecting politics into the apolitical conduct of professional athletes. They've merely noticed its injection and singled out those doing the injecting for criticism. As we've stated before, whether it's Kaepernick, Pino, once you get involved in the arena of of ideas, boom. You know who also knows that? Riley Gaines. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. You get you get you put yourself into the arena of ideas Mm -hmm. and there's going to be pushback. Duh. Mm -hmm. It was the same thing that uh, the the fake conservative talk show host and I call them fake because they they were if you see where some of them are employed now mm. in 2016 that got out of talk radio because it just got it got too hot mm-hmm. and it got too heated mm-hmm. and uh, the rhetoric was just too incendiary and it was you know the rhetoric just got and I just had to quit well we found out they really weren't conservatives well it's like leaving you know you you got in you trained uh, you, you you got into boxing and the whole thing. I just got tired of all the hitting. It's, <laughs> no, you're right. It's like people get into talk radio. It's like I just uh, I couldn't handle the the anger and the disagreement. Why yeah. can't everybody come together? Uh, hey, idiot! Do you know what job you have? You're doing it wrong. <laughs> if you if you don't understand. The fact that, what's my job? My job is to be passionate on the issues and give my strong opinion. Oh, some people object to that. Well, I I can't do this. It's like they say, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the Texas. (laughs) Oh. Uh, How many more weeks of this do we have? Nine million. (laughs) Nine million more oh. weeks. Oh, I'll have something coming up on, on that here in a little bit. Did you see about the, the woman? Her, he, she and her husband were doing their lawn work. And all of a sudden, out of the sky, a snake falls on her arm and wraps around it. And next thing you know, a hawk a hawk must have dropped it. <laughs> and a hawk comes down right to the woman, starts, you know, right to the woman's arm, grabs a snake, trying to pull it off the woman's arm. She's got, you know. Fighting her. Yeah, she, she had to go yeah. to the emergency room. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. like that's, that's Texas. You want to know? In the Texas heat, that's the last thing you need. But a snake falling it's from the sky, snakes, and a and a hawk comes down to grab the snake that apparently the hawk dropped. The woman's like, "What the hell's going?" She said, "It only lasted seconds, but it seemed like hours." Can you imagine? Holy cow! Now no. I, I'm always, you know, the one thing I always keep a door. If I'm out in the front yard, there's always a door open in the front yard. If I'm in the backyard doing lawn work, the door's always open. Mm-hmm. Why? I know the odds are one in a billion uh, at probably more than winning the lottery last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but killer bees always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. I need an, I need an out bat. You know, I need something to get out, but mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't be prepared for a snake landing on my arm and then a hawk. No. <laughs> coming down to get the snake. That it no, no, I, uh, one time I, I was moving some firewood years ago and, and there was a snake that had 
wrapped itself around this small piece of firewood. I didn't see the snake. It blended right in. And I just went to grab it. I'm like, why is this? What's on this wood? Oh, it's moving. Close enough for me. I don't need it to rain snakes. No, this is, you know, this is what it comes down to, though. Uh, Honestly, uh, if you don't know what you're in for, if you're not going to get into the arena, if you don't know that that pushback is going to happen one way or the other. Because this inversion of cause and effect is a foundation upon which Republicans pounce commentary rests. It is a bankrupt style of journalism Mm -hmm. that seeks to redirect the reader's attention away Mm -hmm. from an event, usually one Democrats find discomforting by highlighting the Republican reaction to the event. If the enterprise is successful, the public becomes conditioned to the idea that the GOP's response to a controversy is more newsworthy than the controversy itself. And then he writes, I don't endorse rooting against American interest in a contest with foreign countries, even if those interests are as frivolous as winning a soccer game. But if some conservatives are indifferent to the U.S. women's team's loss, that reaction is a culmination of years of efforts on the team's part to cultivate that response. Mm -hmm. If the team and its supporters are today put off by the sentiment that prevails on the right, the most you can say is that they are a victim of their own success. Oh, yeah. All right. But yeah, it's uh hey, you get in the arena of ideas, expect pushback. Right. And when you and the other thing too, it's like I'm gonna go work for GM, but I'm gonna spit and criticize GM. Mm-hmm. You gotta know what the job is. Right. That's just the way it is. I, I'm I'm gonna take remember she got the went to the White House and got the uh, you know, got the medal of whatever it is, mm, civilian mm, something or other, mm, mm, mm. and uh, which is purely political. Right. I mean, the uh, the award, for most part, that I've seen for many people is useless. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go and spit on the national anthem. Yeah, right. And down the country every time I can. I won't represent the country. Well, you know, you know what you're playing for? Right. Don't play for the USA then. Play somewhere else. That's a legit point. Yeah, look, if you're a sports commentator and you're talking about your own team, uh, it's fair to bring up the numbers, even if they're really bad. You know, suspending a guy for doing that is ridiculous. But that same guy, had he just said, oh, the team's horrible. It's always been horrible. 86690 Red Eye. Managing time is key. Successful owner-operators know that simply running hard is not enough. If it were that easy, anyone could do the job and expect the profits to roll in. It generally pays to slow down. There is a trade-off in higher costs, not to mention the increased risk for driving fast. If driving slower takes time away from you, you could find some of the ways to get it back. Never take time off during the last two weeks of the quarter or the last week of the month when freight typically is abundant. Sometimes it works to your advantage to look for loads that take you through home rather than to home. The latter can interrupt your revenue stream and require additional time to get back up to full speed again. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website. For more detail on Business 101 and many other topics, get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
Call in and get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, Good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for uh, uh, being here. So, uh, yeah, so on that whole sports thing there. Um, <laughs> And the whole Megan Rapino thing. Go team! Uh, you know, and that's one thing that I've noticed. I mean, that's one thing. How come Republicans, you know, why are they so obsessed with politicizing soccer? It's like, so the reaction to the politicizing, the the politics uh, of Megan Rapino, that's the controversy, mm-hmm. not what she says. And it's like they, the left acts, to me it's very childish because when you enter anybody who gets enters the arena of ideas and then complains that there's pushback in people that disagree with them. Now it's one thing, you know, to be upset because there's simply pushback, which is words. It's another thing. When you look at Riley Gaines, for example, who decided to get into the arena of ideas because she was directly a victim of the insanity of the left with the radical transgender movement, well, she's been har- harassed. She's mm. been spit upon. There's a whole different ball game between be, you know people criticizing Megan Rapino and what has happened to somebody like Riley Gaines. Well, the mob isn't coming after Megan Rapino, right? Yeah. The mob has repeatedly come after Riley Gaines. I know where you effing live the other day in Texas. Well, uh, when she was in California. Yep. Basically couldn't get out of the room. She was holed up for hours. Being barricaded in a room because the mob was outside screaming. Right. Where there weren't even enough police to get her out of that particular situation. That's not happening to Megan Rapinoe. No, it's not. You issue an opinion, expect to get pushback. Yeah. You, if you issue any kind of protest, expect to get pushback. Pushback goes too far. The aforementioned mob is something that we've been talking about for a long time. They're willing to get violent. It should never come to that. If people want to peacefully protest, all right, that's fine. That's your right. Lawfully and peacefully. But nope. Doxing is the is the new protest for them. But this this whole garbage that well, you're unpatriotic because you won't cheer for the US women's soccer team. We're the majority of them won't stand just stand for the star spangled banner right right well why did you even want to win who are you playing for right you're not playing for the country right and you know how i know this because i've been to plenty of sporting events as everybody has been to sporting events too and if you've ever been even down south if you go to a hockey game they play the american and the canadian national anthem Mm -hmm. you stand for both Mm -hmm. you do that simply out of 
respect. Yep. At international events, you do it for whatever team that you're playing out of respect. It doesn't mean that you endorse every policy of that country where you're showing respect for their national anthem at a sporting event. And so don't give me this garbage. Oh, you're not a patriot because you're not supporting. You're happy that the U.S. women's uh, soccer team uh, uh, lost. Yeah. Because it's not about America to me because it's not America to it's not about America to them. This is simply where they stand on the issues. And they are the ones, you know, Rapino came out and said, what was the best thing? You know, the, the your biggest memory, the, 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 the equal pay, the equal pay in the social justice movement yeah, of the right. soccer team. Right. She didn't care about this. It wasn't about winning for the United States. No. And that's fine. She can have, if that's, if, if every goal of every athlete from that, and, and it's not all of them, because I believe you had uh, the, the pictures I've seen, you've had a, f- a few of the, the women's soccer players who stood for the national anthem, and that's fine. But when you admit publicly, I'm in it for what I want outside of the USA soccer, well then, don't be surprised when people aren't rooting for you. Yeah, don't ex- don't expect me to reward that behavior. I'm not a patriot. I hate the United States. If you won't root for me, then you're anti-patriotic. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's your argument? Hmm. Wow. That's a pretty weak argument. It most often is from the left. And, again, who are they playing for? And if she, and if she wishes to play for herself or her... Uh, Political objectives, you can do that in the United States. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, do it. Mm -hmm. But don't claim or her supporters don't come back and state that those who don't support her are somehow anti-patriotic. It's just the most bizarre thing. You're anti-patriotic for not supporting these anti-patriotic people over here. Yeah. Sorry, I'll, I'll let you work that out when you figure out the flaw in your argument. I know. <laughs> which is basically your argument. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a tiny flaw in that argument, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, well. Enough of the soccer talk. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I, I bet you guys you'd be singing a different tune if it was men's soccer. No. Mm, you're clearly new to the show. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> That's not the case at all. <laughs> but I will say, as I said yesterday, to lead off the show, that maybe she is right. Can people... Yeah, I guess so. People knew my sorry. I didn't get any complaints about it, so everybody knows when I'm being sarcastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but where I agree with her is, remember, now that she's retiring, mm-hmm. when she announced her retirement, she also announced that men should be able to play on the women's soccer team. Yeah. Now that we've seen the result of women playing on the women's soccer team, maybe it's right. Maybe it's time for the men to take over the women's soccer, U.S. women's soccer, so they can win. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's the other thing, too. She's on her way out the door. Yeah. I'm oh, all and for- uh, men should be able to play on the women's team. <laughs> the other player's like, I'm sorry, did did you hear the same thing I heard? What? <laughs> By the way, don't think for a moment. You know, we've seen, for example, when Leah Thomas was in there, mm-hmm. you you saw for the longest time, not one woman said anything. Not one of the women swimmers said anything. And so it's like, well, nobody's complaining about it. Yeah, because they were being intimidated. They were being threatened, as we now know. Yeah. Now right. the women swimmers are coming out and telling us what they had to go through, and they weren't happy. Don't you believe for one second that there aren't women that were on the U.S. women's so- uh, soccer team that didn't view her as a cancer in the locker room because she put politics over winning a soccer game? And that was what you had from that one, uh, what's her name? I can't think of her name. Uh, oh, the one woman that complained last week, the former U.S. women's soccer player. Hmm. About the, uh, that's, I, I believe that's where she was headed. Was that, right. yeah. she, that she's a cancer, she, was a can, she became a cancer in that locker room. Don't you think that, you know, and a lot of these women that want to play again on the U.S. women's soccer team, they're not going to come out and vocally do it, say anything about it. We they didn't for Leah Thomas, but you think every woman on that U.S. women's soccer team hmm. wants men to play women's soccer? Yeah, you know, just like Kaepernick. Kaepernick became a cancer inside the locker room. Something was more important than playing football. Every team knows it. Every, every team knows you deal right. with it at a certain level when you get to that level. And it's it's either controlled or it's not. And if it's not, then the mouthpiece becomes the person who's the loudest. And we now know it because Kaepernick's even admitted it. This is all about promoting socialism. Yeah, right. It wasn't about cops. No. It wasn't about bad cops. It was about tearing down American institutions so he could promote his Marxist socialist agenda. Yep. 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 That was more important than actually playing football. And he's trying to have it both ways, and you can't have it both ways. Doesn't mean that off the field you can't promote the things that you believe in. That's been going on forever in professional sports. Uh, certainly, in the, it, I would say, uh, and, and, you know, it goes back to, anything from an interview in Sports Illustrated, you would hear them espouse certain views, and it's like, all right, whatever. Cassius Clay. Yep. Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. And I say Cassius Clay because that was his name when all of this right. was happening. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. So when it, when he, you know, the whole, uh, uh, you know, wanting to fight in, in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. So that's it's happened before. Yeah. And it's gonna and it will happen again, right? And I'm not surprised. I mean, we know we all know who Megan Rapino is, so it's like we didn't sit there and go, "I can't believe." We duh, we know what she's about. Yeah, it's like Kaepernick. We know what he's about. Once you've identified what somebody's about because they tell you what they're about, you know, I'm not shocked anymore. I might be shocked initially and go, "Oh wow, can't believe she said that," but we're not shocked easily here. There's so much. In, there's so much more insanity going on. 
No, the idea of a protester is nothing new. It, it just isn't. And once you once you understand that, it's like, okay. And people tend to move on. It gets a lot of attention at first, and then people become tired of it. Because it goes nowhere. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. You see uh, DeSantis got rid of his campaign manager, replaced it. Yeah, so a couple of changes still fairly early in the campaign season. Um, Not not good. Definitely not good. But then again, in 2016, uh, Trump was going through a new campaign manager every week. (laughs) <laughs> and he won. Um, <laughs> I know. I remember that. It was yeah. Like, no. He, he. Wow. You know. He went through some changes. It. It, it does happen. Uh, mm-hmm. There. There are certain things. What's interesting is, <laughs> this is somebody who helped him in his campaign, DeSantis, in in the state of Florida. So the, you know, the thought if you're letting someone like that go is well, you know, you worked on the state level, but we don't think you work on the national level. Mm- might eventually apply to the candidate himself, but we'll see. Um, it's just that right now, you know, the polls aren't changing much. And the question is, you know, all right, when do they start? To, traditionally, they start to change after you have debates. Once you start getting closer to the wire. Um, and once a lot of that money is spent on. Uh, not stumping, but uh, the, the well, the I guess the television stumping, and you see more and more ads uh, that are out there. Um, you know that that will shape the polls. But is there anything that can bring DeSantis to the top and and uh, get the people out for him over Trump? And you know that's just the way this works. It may not be his time. Uh, I was reading something on you know Pence. And his number is coming up a little bit. It's like, you know, you know, it sure feels like a John McCain kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it wasn't what you said. It was yeah, the, uh. Uh. but we've talked about this where the, the candidates, you know, who are, who are on top in this case, it would be Trump and then DeSantis who's still far below him. Then, you know, they're all of a sudden people are going, eh, I don't want either one of those guys. And then a, a Pence, someone like a Pence is on the rise. Or Chris Christie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but I hopefully we won't have to have much more of that discussion and it's not going to play out that way. But we'll see where it, where it does go, though. I mean, you know, there could be as the cases on Trump move along. Does that hurt him or help him? Is there something along the way also that helps DeSantis improve on his numbers? We'll see.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Hello. Hi. All right. Welcome. We're Red Eye Radio. Yeah, we are. That's what we do. Yep. That and sweat. <laughs> we talk on the radio and sweat. And we sweat the we sweat the rest of the day. <laughs> Sweating. What's the number one hobby in Texas? Sweating. It's it's uh, been so hot for such a long time that my sprinkler system isn't enough. Yeah, I've got to go out with the, you know the the other the sprinkler that attaches to the hose and for the put, spot the spot sprinkler and yep. yeah, and and, yeah. and put it in certain areas because yep. if you you can, you can water oh, man. you can water ninety nine percent of your lawn and that one percent that you may not that you may miss every time that the sprinkler system misses yeah I'm like why is that completely dead because <laughs> it just it's been that kind of heat. Then the wind too, low humidity, wind blowing. Whoa. Yeah, you're you're basically it's like a blow dryer on your on your lawn on all the vegetation, and so all the time. Yeah. So we, you don't live under this, but where I live, it doesn't matter whether there's a water emergency or not. And we haven't there has we're not under a water emergency, but it's still only Tuesdays and Fridays can we water our lawn. Right. Right. Yeah. And so most times, if it only gets to be about, you know, 95 to 100, mm-hmm. I don't even worry about, you know, the hose sprinkler. I just, you know, I, right. just, I don't even. But when it gets, you know, now we've had mm, close to a month of this almost. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Almost a yeah. month, almost every day over uh, 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 100. Not it's much like, rain. It's like, what? Every Tuesday and Friday becomes, <laughs> all right, Operation Water Lawn. Yeah, right. And it's like, okay, and what's next week? Is it going to get a little bit less? And so maybe you know, I won't use much water. No, next week's going to be bad. The next, the next two weeks, I think every single day is over a hundred. Yeah, the, right. And so it's like you're going, oh man. Well, the water bill is going to be a lot, but either the water bill will be fifty dollars more, or you have a dead lawn. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather pay for the water. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that, but that's what we're dealing with every day. <laughs> I will say this: yesterday we got some high cloud cover for about two oh. hours. Oh, it was the best thing. I was no. outside. I'm like, this is great. No, it rained. You got rain? Now, I want to be careful about this because they say, well, it wasn't measurable. Yeah, it was because I saw it on my windshield. Wow. I go out to get in my car. Uh, I had an appointment yesterday morning. And it was about uh, it was about 8 a.m. And I go out and I'm like, whoa, where's the sun? This cloud cover. And it wasn't like real cloud cover. But, I mean, it, there were some clouds up there. 
then all of a sudden I felt something on my arm. I'm like, no, <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah. Wait a minute. And then really? I get in the, I, I get in my truck, and then all of a sudden it it hits my windshield. Probably two dozen drops. And I'm looking around. I'm thinking, okay, is my neighbor over there spraying or something? I'm looking for any other source of water <laughs> that might be hitting my truck. No, it was rain uh, that came down for just a few seconds. And I thought, yeah, just enough to get my appetite going. What, whatever I have to do, I get done between 12 and 1 because I don't want to be out after 1. It's just mm. too hot. Mm. I went out yesterday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon just to go into the backyard. Yeah. And the high clouds are out. Mm-hmm. And you can't feel the sun. And the wind's blowing like at 15 miles an hour. Well, this is great. I did yeah. more I did more lawn work in the backyard. <laughs> I pulled some weeds. I went, oh, this is, this is fantastic. And it was still like 99, mm-hmm. 99 or 100 degrees. And I think we got up to 105 anyway. Because then when the clouds went in about 2 o'clock, then there you go. It heats up real quick. Yep, yep. All right, I think this is a perfect example. You know, we've talked about how insane the left has been. Mm -hmm. And I know if you're listening the first time or if you're a Democrat, you'd, it's just over-the-top rhetoric. No, it's not. And here's another example. And Jonathan Turley provided it yesterday. Remember the whole Oberlin College situation with the grocery? Yep. If you don't know about it, this was a, a grocery, small family grocery store and bakery where Oberlin College is. Uh, called Gibson's, been part of the community since 1885. Hmm. Well, they became public enemy number one for Oberlin College when three African-American students were arrested for shoplifting in 2016. Hmm. Immediately, there was a campaign calling the store racist even though the police found clear evidence of shoplifting. And over a period of five years, when looking at the history, over a period of the previous five years, 40 adults were arrested for shoplifting at Gibson's Bakery. Only six were African-American. Nevertheless, the protests started. Prosecutors appeared to cave to the pressure and cut a deal to reduce the charge to attempted theft, but a local judge refused to accept the deal and said that the plea was a result of a punishing series of protests and a permanent economic sanction against the bakery. Ultimately, all three students pleaded guilty. Well, the dean of students reportedly joined the massive protest and even handed out a flyer denouncing the bakery as a racist business, when some pointed out that the students admitted that they were guilty, special assistant to the president for community and government relations, uh, Tita Reed, wrote that it did not change a damn thing. Well, Gibson sued for defamation. The grocery store, they won $44 million in compensatory and punitive damages. The judge later reduced the award to $25 million. Hmm. But the college continued to drag out the appeal 
against the store that refused to give up. They said, nope, we're going to keep fighting this. They didn't care because they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Well, that pushed the cost back up to the college to $36 million for just damages and interest to the grocery. That does not include the millions for the college's own legal costs that will now increase further. Why? Because now Oberlin College is suing the insurance companies. They had a total of $75 million, probably in some type of umbrella coverage. Right. They've only got a million. They got four insurance companies that said, nope, sorry, not going to do it. Wow. And they believe that the, and, and now the Oberlin's College is going after them. And they believe that the, uh, as he, as uh, Turley writes here, Cornell professor uh, William Jacobson has speculated, the, has speculated that the companies will continue to decline. We're not going to pay you this based on the college engaging in intentional torts, which means you did this on purpose and you continue to do this. This isn't, for example, this isn't something that, you know, somebody got hurt on your property. No, you were on a mission to do this. This was, you were on a mission, even when you knew what it was, you are, yeah. were on a mission to destroy these people. We don't cover that. You want to go to battle, you do that on your own dime. They're right here. Um, uh, Oberlin is suing Lexington Insurance Company of New York, United Educators Insurance of Bethesda, Maryland, Mount Holly Insurance Company of Peoria, Illinois, mm. and Starstone Specialty Insurance Company of Cincinnati. It reportedly received a million dollars, but incurred millions more in litigation costs alone. However, the speculation again is these insurance companies are not going to pay because what you did was intentional. As he writes, there is, of course, an element of poetic justice in all of this for a college president and board that cared less about the plight of this family than only bakery or the cost to its alumni and students. It may also serve as an important deterrent value for a college to have to bear the cost of its conduct. The college apparently treated its $75 million in coverage as a license to continue endless appeals while refusing to accept responsibility for its own conduct. This sense of entitlement was apparently shared by students. Remember this, because we talked about this, when the college brought in a risk management expert yeah, so they wouldn't do something this stupid again, students were alarmed, objected, and protested. <laughs> The president and her board may have assumed that they could just treat this as someone else's cost. The insurance companies, the alumni, the students, the denial of coverage could force the school to internalize the cost of this colossal failure of leadership since the leadership was unmoved by appeals for decency and fairness for years. And I won't just say appeals to decency and fairness. Don't lie. A financial deterrent may be just what the college needs to change its conduct. There's two things here. First off, as we've talked about, what will really stop the insanity of the liberal uh, uh, activist transgender movement in this country, the radical transgender movement? It'll be lawsuits. Yeah. That's what's going to stop it, lawsuits. Yep. Yep. Because the lawsuits are already coming. Yep. And here in this case, 
would stop the what still hasn't stopped the college, but will make them think about it is when they have to pay the cost of it. But think about this. They have continued this. This is a, this has been going on since 2016. This is now seven years. They've never admitted that they were wrong. Understand because it's a it's a great lesson to understand the fact and all the issues we're facing today. The left doesn't matter how insane they actually are; they're not giving up on their insanity. Oberlin College won't give up on their insanity. And here's the problem. In their mind, they don't believe they've done anything wrong. Minds, by the way, not just one person responsible for making the decision. This is a number of people that are working together to get this done. And they don't think they've done anything wrong. They attacked a small family grocery for false claims of racism, even after they knew it was false. They didn't care. Nope. So it's just, I think it's just a lesson to be learned that the fight against the insanity of the left is not something that you do for a year and then say, well, this is a lifelong, this this is lifelong. Mm -hmm. But it's been lifelong for anybody in in, in a democracy or a constitutional republic. It's always going to be that way. The fights have been going on since 1776. Yep. Well, especially when you're using other people's resources, right? You have individuals that are using the university's resources to get this done. Well, <laughs> you're going to hire your own lawyer? Are you going to are you going to go after somebody and then hire your own lawyer? No, we're going to use other people's money to get it done. And they will never, ever come out and admit they were wrong because they see it as their own justice. This isn't justice. They see it as, well, the agenda towers over everything. Right. That it doesn't matter. Even legally, when we're found to be wrong, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We don't care. We believe we were right. Even if we promoted a lie, yep. it doesn't matter. Right. Because the greater narrative is if you're white, you're a racist. Yeah. Yep. Whether it's true or and not. Gonna, and we're going to stick to that right. narrative, even though it's been proven wrong right. in this case. Because that's what they're sticking to. They're sticking right. to the whole critical race theory. Right. That's what they're sticking to. Yep. Well, in this case, maybe they weren't, but it doesn't matter because the thought was there. Right. Because. All right, all whites are culturally racist. Mm-hmm. And that comes directly from critical race theory. Right. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Friday Radio, he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McMurray. We were talking earlier just about <laughs> watering the lawn and a uh, story just uh, here, uh, you know, breaking uh, overnight. Texas brush fire burns 120 acres, completely destroys an apartment building. 
uh, and it's in uh, Cedar Park, Texas, outside of uh, Austin. That's one of the problems is the fact that you get to this time of the year where it gets to be so hot, you've got that wind blowing, and, you know, what can set it, you know, it sometimes it gets bad in, in you know, in some areas, especially rural areas, when you get to February and the winds are blowing and it gets dry and things like that. We've had some major brush fires in, in uh, uh, you know, uh, February, March, and even April, especially if it's uh, dry and very windy. Uh, but right now, anywhere, you know, you, you can talk about it in any type of subdivision. Yeah. You know, anything yeah. gets lit and boom, lawns will go. Well, and right now, in fact, in our area, we have a red flag warning because conditions are, uh, you know, perfect right now with high winds, gusts today up to 35 miles an hour in, in parts of our area, but then the, the dry vegetation. The vegetation, as we mentioned, it's essentially we've had a blow dryer going over the last several weeks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to all of the vegetation, you know, because we've had a breeze with the heat, and that dries things out tremendously. And that's what you're seeing here, uh, that danger, especially as the winds uh, uh, creep up to, you know, again, these gusts getting up to 35 miles an hour. Now you're talking about a fire getting away from you. Uh, even those that are trained to fight it uh, uh, deal with those issues that the wind basically takes control of those flames and those fires spread very quickly, very quickly. I was telling you during the break, just driving around, you know, uh, just in my own neighborhood. It's amazing to see how many lawns are just, you know, really struggling right now. And you, you look at the vegetation. Uh, I was on the highway a few days ago and it's just dry. I mean, dry. Mm-hmm. There's been no rain. So you get out of town in the rural areas, and the vegetation is just dry. And with the wind, one spark sets it off. And it goes very quickly. Yeah, and we're expecting in our area, I mean, I was looking at like 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. I mean, it's close to 20 miles an hour, you know, 20 mile an hour winds. And mm-hmm. we really have. up to 35. And, you know, I mean. <clears throat> yeah, we haven't had. Yeah, yeah we haven't. Because that, that would be consistent winds. Right, yeah. Of 20 right. miles an hour, which mm-hmm. means you'd have gusts even in more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember a couple of years back. And I think it was up in in north, more north of of Dallas, where it was a subdivision, mm-hmm. and it's just you know because people's lawns were dying, yeah. and it wasn't like a grass fire where you're talking about grass in a field where the grass is three feet high, right? You're talking about lawns actually burning, mm-hmm. you know, regular lawns that are two three inches above the ground. The lawns are burning. Yeah, yeah. That was like whoa. Okay. Yeah. That uh, is, and I've seen in mine most of my. I know across the street. I don't know if they've had problems with the sprinkler system. Their lawn, their lawn is uh, given up the ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, HOA probably gets on your case where I live. Hmm. They get on your case for everything else. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, yeah, but most lawns, at least that I've seen mm-hmm. in my subdivision, are still green. Mm-hmm. So. Hoping for the best.
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, there we go, because we had asked this question well, about three weeks ago when James Comer said, well, in a week, we're going to be releasing more bank records than they never came. Remember that? Uh, you yeah. know, no. has anyone asked him about that? Well, that's be- well. now they did- won't because he said they're coming out this week. Uh, more Biden family bank records will be released this week. Mm. Uh, Comer announced, Comer predicted in June that the newly su- uh, subpoenaed Biden bank records would show the family accepted up to $30 million from its foreign uh, business dealings. This week, I plan to release more Biden family bank records. Uh, he uh, posted Monday on Twitter. Unlike yeah. Democrats, bank records don't lie. Okay, yeah, that's what and that's what he said oh, last right. time, right? Yeah. Right. Said Democrats continue to feed uh, the mainstream media a false narrative mm. about the GOP's oversight investigation into the Biden family's influence peddling schemes. This week, I plan to release more Biden family bank records. Unlike Democrats, bank records don't lie. Mm. Well, all right, so... I guess it would stand to reason that the last time he promised it, it was the week before the testimony by the whistleblowers. And we thought maybe it was going to come out as a part of that. And then it didn't hit. And we were curious as to why no one really brought it up or didn't ask him about it. He didn't say anything about it. The question is, what impact does it have? I guess it depends on how you're going to release this and, and also what it shows. But if you're talking about bank records, what I think all of us are waiting to see, anyone who's interested in this whole thing, is is it going to show that flow of money in the way that you really need to demonstrate that? You know, it is of value for him to uh, show the bank records and say, okay, look at how all this money went into these accounts. But you're going to have to show the entire um, uh, uh, a chain of that money from start to finish in order to make the case. I don't expect him to do that this week, by the way. But what's the next step after this? You You put out the bank records. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have to show where that flow of money was, the timing of the flow of the money. That also works with the timing of anything that the Biden that 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 Biden as vice president did, which was, you know, again, the idea he was doing something in exchange for the money. So you've got to look at those events as well. And then you've got to gel those. You've got to make sure you connect those, make those connections. Here's how the money flowed. Here's what he did. And then here was a flow of money. Well, you need to start, I think, eventually with one one of the uh, one of the payoffs. You need to start it from beginning to the end. Can they do that now? On any of the trans, if they're talking about, if they're talking about thirty million, all right. If that figure is accurate, how many transactions do they have? Now, if they both got $5 million each mm-hmm. from the Chinese and from Burisma, that's 20 right there. So you've got $10 million. Was it just another couple? Was it, was it 
uh, a bunch for was it ten more for a million each? And can you complete the the cycle from, you know, and you you could say okay, uh, uh, here are the emails from Hunter Biden. Here's what they were talking about. Here's where the payment expect, and then you start it from, and not even the the I'm not talking about the the ones we we have been uh, the the five million and the the you know the total of the two ten millions, but mm-hmm. on the other ones, mm-hmm. can you show them? Can you show multiple from beginning to the end? Even if it doesn't go to Joe Biden, if it goes to a Biden family member. Right. Because you don't need it to go to Joe Biden. No, no you don't. For there to be a, a, a criminal act. And right. you will notice, have you noticed that the Democrats have been very quiet this week on this? Yeah. Now, the Republicans have been quiet. They're really, well, I mean, not really because the whole uh, Schwerin thing came out mm. about how many times he's been to the White House. And and whether he is the one, you know, I, I did read a couple of articles saying, is he the one that's going to close the deal for the Republicans on this? Well, and, and you know, I we also my theory that the the liberal media and Democrats in office. Likely don't know. What uh, what Comer has. They don't know what's going to be released. They di- they clearly didn't know what the uh, whistleblowers were going to say. Director Ray didn't even know that that Grassley and Comer had seen the FD ten twenty three, according to what we're told. So, if the Democrats are quiet, it's it's likely because they have no idea what's about to come out. It's the wait and yeah. see. You don't react to something until it drops. Because and and here, you know, Fox had this one money guy. This Hunter Biden business partner could blow the lid off Biden's family business dealings. Biden previously described Eric Schwerin, a top executive uh, at his firm, mm-hmm. as his father's closest confidant and counsel. And just read a couple of sentences here. Following Devin Archer's bombshell congressional interview last week, alleging President Biden's deep involvement. With Hunter Biden's business dealings, a new light is being cast on his son's longtime business partner who stands to know even more. Uh, Eric Schwerin visited the Obama White House and then Vice President Biden's residence at least 36 times between 2009 and 2016, likely to make him the next target of the House Oversight Committee investigation into the Biden's family business dealings. Uh, Schwerin was the founding partner and managing director of Hunter's now dissolved firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners, when he was appointed by then-President Obama to the Commission for the Preservation of Americans' Heritage Abroad, an independent government agency in early 2015. Eric asked for one of these the day after the election in 2008. Hunter revealed about Schwerin's appointment in an email on March 13, 2015. Schwerin was reappointed to the commission in January of 2017. The number of visits of his visits to the White House could be much higher than 36 if any of his meetings fell under the voluntary disclosure policy ex- uh, exception of purely personal guest due to his handling of the Biden's family's personal finances. The White House will not release access records uh, related to the uh, purely personal guests of the first and second families, the Obama administration's archive website says 
Hunter's ex-wife, who was married to the president's son from 93 to 2017, revealed in a memoir in June of 2022 that Schwerin managed almost every aspect of our financial life. Hunter also acknowledged that Schwerin is a close confidant and counsel to his father in a February 2014 email thread uh, with Schwerin, Fox News Digital previously reported. Peter Schweitzer, the president of the Government Accountability Institute and an expert on Hunter's business dealings, told Sunday Morning Futures uh, on Fox News, if Devin Archer was the sort of business guy, was was the sort of business guy, the deal guy in how you structure this, Aaron Schwerin was the money guy. One of his visits to the White House in November of 2010 was a sit-down with Biden in the West Wing, He also visited Biden's residences at least 15 times for various holiday receptions, including a December 12th holiday reception in 2015 that came a couple of days after Biden's infamous trip to Ukraine, where he threatened to withhold $1 billion in U.S. aid if the country's leaders did not fire their top prosecutor. So there you go. I mean, and so, you know, where this all leads, who knows? Yeah, right. Look, uh, it's very promising because it's something we've been waiting on in terms of the bank records since it was first promised a few weeks ago. It is one other piece of the puzzle and likely is not the piece that draws everything together. But it's a, I think it's a big step. If you're going to release bank records, that is a demonstration of the, of of at least where money Landed. Well, here's but here's here's the question. Here's another question that you and I would have. Mm-hmm. And I think we asked this yesterday, the day before. All right. If he's the money guy. Uh, is is uh, Schwerin, is he the guy that created the LLCs? Who opened up all the well, bank accounts? Well, that moved the money is some. Yeah. You're right. Something we've been asking, as you said, for a while now. And who's managing the movement of the money? If he's the money guy, is that what Republicans have in their back pocket? They already know the money guy who set up all of these things. And I don't know. I'm asking. I'm simply asking questions. Because there's so much still to fill in on all of this. Well, and is he the guy that can tie everything together? Because if he's the money guy, then I have to ask the question: Did he set up the LLCs? If he did, who did? Who opened up all the bank accounts? How did all these bank accounts get opened to transfer this money, you know, into a LLC, then out of the LLC, and to a Biden family member? Well, and you know, a very basic question: Is it possible that just one person is is responsible for all of that movement of money logistically. I tend to believe not that it would take more than one person to get all that done. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no, it could be that one person did get it done. Right. But if I know for everything that I do in, in, in my life, and I haven't opened up any LLC to transfer money, but if you have an LLC open, <laughs> yeah, then, how much are you getting then, paid then, from the Ukrainians? <laughs> then, then somehow, if a bank account is attached to that LLC to put money in and to take money out of it, mm-hmm. all of that has to be approved by somebody. Yeah. No, you have to. 
they're uh, you're you're doing a uh, you know if you're opening a DBA a DBA account doing business as when you set up an LLC and you go to that bank and say okay you know we're setting up a DBA account here and what was is that part of all of the SARS where they were going they were setting up accounts but it looks suspicious and we don't Ooh. believe these LLCs were actually Ooh. real. Yeah. We believe they were shells. Well, that, By that, the way, that's been brought up. That's already has right. been brought up in the accusations. Well, that's a great that's but that's a great question that has not been answered yet. And that's the thing. You know, we're getting we're getting the people that are involved, we're getting emails and everything else. Right. But you need to know the minutia of the money trail. Right. That's what will really have an effect, I think, on on this. And I believe that maybe that's why the Democrats really don't talk about it that much. And when they do, they really don't have anything because they don't know what the Republicans are getting when it comes to all the financial records and the bank records. Yep. I have limited experience in setting up DBAs. And at least with one large bank, it's kind of like an approval process. There's a little bit of vetting going on. Mm -hmm. They want to see certain things. And I would ask, is this what what really uh, drove a lot of those SARS? What was not just the deposits, but how the accounts were set up? Or it could have been an audit, an internal audit at a bank, which is routine. Oh, wait a minute. Look at this. Look at these, all this money landing. Yeah, well, how yeah. how'd that happen? Well, they set up these LLCs and they set up all these accounts. Well, yeah, but where's the money coming from? Well, that's what I heard running for the banks. Why did you think it was money laundering or whatever crime, financial crime you thought it was? Right. Set it off. What, where, where did that suspicion begin? 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, interesting uh, 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 story out there yesterday uh, about uh, Democratic representatives that aren't jumping aboard Bidenomics. <laughs> <laughs> As we warned, uh, we warned uh, the White House it was the wrong thing to do. Don't, don't embrace uh, it. Also, Americans are pulling money out of their 401k plans now mm. at an alarming rate. Mm. Uh, we will uh, get to that. And there was another. Fi- now, there's more. F- oh, oh, yeah. The, the, there it is. Credit card debt hits one trillion for the first time. ever. One trillion dollars for the first. We did it, everybody. Yes. Congratulations. And you saw the story about Bill Maher now uh, calls out. Here's the headline. Bill Maher calls out Barbie for pushing a preachy man hating zombie lie about the patriarchy. Are we going to have to go watch? Are we going to? No. You and I going to have to go? No, because I think they're. I, I think people are assigning too much to it. Okay, am I going to? It's to, it's good. a movie. Let's just. If if you don't like the movie, even if you think there's an agenda, like okay, I don't want to have to go and see Barbie. So I'm because I'm, I'm not, required to talk about it on the air. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I don't care what it's preaching. <laughs> it's nothing new from Hollywood if it is preaching. <laughs> 
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. 86690 Red Eye. Happy Wednesday. Yeah. Welcome to a uh, uh Wednesday. <laughs> you know, we we were talking about uh <laughs> athletes out there and uh in general because we mentioned Kaepernick, we mentioned uh, Megan Rapino earlier on the show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the demands of professional athletes you can look at it and you can say, come on, please, you know, stop that. But sometimes when professional athletes complain, they may have a legitimate point. Yeah. As his story with golfer John Rahm on the PGA Tour. Ah. That is pretty angry about it. He wants, quote, relief on every hole. He wants a porta potty on every hole for the golfers. I figured there was one on every major golf tournament. I remember I haven't I'm trying to think of the last actual because I went to a couple of the what is it the Corn Ferry Tour, but when they were the AAA and and uh, I I remember going to that in like ni- the mid nineties one of those and it wasn't the corn fairy tour the which is the minor league but you know professional tour uh but still i mean it was you know everywhere you wanted to go if if you were a fan or patron <laughs> depending on how you're uh, you know whether you're at augusta or not mm-hmm. uh there's mm-hmm. bathrooms all over the place you never had to wait in line and when i went the last major golf tournament i went to while wow, this goes back a long time when i went to oak hill in rochester to see uh, the PGA Championship, Jack Nicholas won it. Wow. And I remember it was the first major kind of golf tournament I ever went to. That's when all the potties were outside. They were. <laughs> yes. They There was no indoor plumbing. It was so long <laughs> exactly. ago. So all they had was porta potties. That's right. It was so long ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was. Um, uh, it was I, I uh, that was when I was so impressed because if you were a fan walking, I mean there were porta potties everywhere. It was like you never had to wait in line. You go there's be fifteen of them. You walk in, you know nobody's waiting in line. It's, one, it, one of them is open, and, it's and so what, I, it's what I was going to do if I won the one point five billion dollars. Get yourself some porta potties. Porta potties everywhere. Porta potties everywhere. Yep. That's that's everywhere I go. <laughs> uh, maybe send some to the streets of San Francisco. <laughs> Uh, they, they have they have them. It's called the streets of San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. But and, uh, that's what John Rom is uh, 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 saying. Months after the PGA Tour announced a framework agreement with backers of Live Golf uh, about uh, that partnership and and uh, how it will be re- uh, re- revealed, uh, John Rom is complaining about something else. 
while players will likely have a say in what that looks like, reigning Masters champion John Rahm weighed in Tuesday about an issue he finds most pressing, access to restrooms during a press conference on Tuesday ahead of the 2023 FedEx St. Jude Championship at the TPC Southwind this week. Rahm offered a blunt response when questioned about what kind of changes he wants to see on the tour. I can tell you right now my priorities are a lot lower than what a lot of people would think. Hmm. If I have to, if I uh, go by request, I know this is going to sound very stupid, but as simple as having a freaking porta potty on every hole. I know that sounds crazy, but I can't choose when I have to go to the bathroom. He makes a good point. It's not that he has to go every hole. It's just he doesn't know where he's going to be. I was going to say, if you have to go every hole, you might want to see your doctor. I've told the tour so many times before about this. It's as simple as that. That's what I want. Well, when you see some of the demands of athletes today, I would say that that probably seems like a fair request or even a demand of a professional athlete playing golf. Access to restrooms. <laughs> how how long does it take at that level? How long is it between holes in a tournament? How long is it? All depends. Yeah, time, I mean, time well, it can be bad. It, it shouldn't be any time at all. If you uh, on most golf, uh, most golf tournaments, you get off the, you know, you're off the the green, and unless there's slow play in front of you, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you have to wait. But most of the time, you go up to the tee and you tee off. Mm-hmm. So I mean, however long it takes you to walk from the the last green to the tee, and they're not usually long distance. They, they you know the golf courses. It's not like you. Some golf courses you can play, and it's like, my gosh, you can't. It's not a walking how course. Was, how was this not addressed before? I thought it was. I th- I couldn't believe it because I just assumed by by how every golf tournament I've ever been at, there are so many restrooms for the fans out there. I mean, it's never. That's the one thing that you notice. You go to a professional golf tournament, and it's like, wow, this isn't sure like the stadium that I go to where I've got to wait. Yeah, in line. You know, in in line to go to the you know to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. It's like boom. Oh, that's really great. They took you just assume they had that taken care of at every single tournament for the players. You yeah. would just think at every single hole, eighteen holes, you would have eighteen porta potties for the players. Yeah, forget about the porta potties. You get you get something uh, more luxurious. <laughs> you know, come on. I know, I know this is, I know this is uh, old school going back a couple of years, but they're not going to have Tiger Woods just go in a hole. Maybe. You think about that. I mean, it's it's like even it's a lot of people today. You say Tiger Woods, like, oh, oh, oh yeah, that guy that used to be the golfer. Yeah, right. Even though he may he may come back, but I don't think he can. I think his leg is just too you know bad. He got surgery again, so mm-hmm. who knows when he's back? Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it's like you would just think that that would be something that they that would be a well, duh, they take care of that. It's right. professional golf. I mean, there's how is he the only one or the first to ever complain about this? <laughs> are you are you telling me you need the billions of of the Saudi wealth fund to get a porta potty on every hole? <laughs> your caddy's going to carry your clubs and. A porta potty on wheels. <laughs> you just have to look out for yourself.
Yeah. I, I just assumed there was always, I figured for the players there was one, you know, at the tee and at the green and mm-hmm. then at the next tee, mm-hmm. and that they might have multiple ones because maybe more than one had to use it. I just assumed it. My Now my question is, well, how far did they have them spaced out? Right. Do they have them? All right. A couple little secrets here for the beer drinkers on that on, on normal golf courses, because on even on normal golf courses, let's put it this way for the beer drinkers out there for the recreational golfer. There's a lot of examining nature in the woods near the tees yeah. because they may only have a, you know, one bathroom that's after nine holes. Well, see, I would have, I would have cover for that because I don't play at all. And, my ball would always be going into the woods. Oh yeah, you'd be in there. That's true. They yeah. nobody would know. No, no, no one would ever know. What's Eric doing in there? Eh, he's drinking beers. Yeah. No, nah, I don't think so. He didn't doesn't drink in the course. Doesn't drink in the course like McNamara. So I think his ball's in there. Gary's yeah. Gary's is right in the middle of the fairway, yeah. about two hundred and eighty yards out. Right. He he didn't he didn't connect it completely, but he got it two hundred eighty yards. He's walking funny, but he's got a nice. We're not sure why that is. <laughs> But but he's right on course. But I, I saw that. I'm just like, well, that's not an unreasonable request from a professional athlete. No, it just seems like the basic. It just seems like the basic. You know. And and he didn't say something exotic. He said porta potty. Right. Just give me a place to go. Right. So what do they have to do now? How far do they have to go? I guess it depends on which hole they're in. But how how many are there? Are, I, I, I don't I don't know. I just it's Yeah, he does he doesn't say in the article. I'm reading yeah. it does because it'd be like they have one every five holes. Well, right, I just assumed, right. you know, because you've got a ton of and the thing is too, you've not only that, but you've got the at every T you have the officials, mm-hmm. you know, the people. The caddies. Yeah, the, the, the people that are in the, the caddies, right, mm-hmm. the caddies, the players. So you've got, and, you know, and, and sometimes early rounds or sometimes you have three golfers playing, so that's six right there with the caddies. Mm-hmm. Then you probably have two or three officials at the tee mm-hmm. that are there all day. Right. And so you just assume they would have this, like, no, that's that's a problem. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta account for Adam Sandler because you never know when he's going to show up. So there's another. You gotta make room for everybody. How can you not accommodate? And I hated that movie when it came out, and not for the movie. Oh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. everybody at the driving range, all the young started kids doing it. Started doing the Happy yeah. Gilmore yeah. thing at the driving range. Yeah. It's like stop it. Yeah. It's a movie. <laughs> Even though as they were doing it, you did look out of the side of your your peripheral vision to see did they actually hit it good? <laughs> when then when they you know like came running up like, yeah. like he did and then right. hit it like a hockey puck. Right. Yeah. No, they I didn't see anybody ever hit it good that way. So yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. Only in the movies. Yeah, there you go. So uh, all right. Coming up, we had mentioned uh, uh, Peter Schweitzer before, who was uh, you know uh, on Fox all the time and mm-hmm. and uh, at, you know part of his government accountability group, uh, you know, looking into it. And he actually talks about uh, Eric Schwerin and where this may go. Hmm. 
and 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 really brings up some interesting things that you know this might you know this is the guy that's going to get this is the guy that you want and this was interesting this is the guy that you want to testify before Hunter Biden right so maybe it's going to be a little while you know as we said when are they going to do it well I haven't think about that you know first it's Schwerin and then who then maybe Bobulinski again. Maybe. And uh, unless they've got everything they want from Bobulinski, but then you, Schwerin, uh, will, will, you know, will give a deposition, right? And then it would be Hunter Biden. Hmm. A deposition first. And then if you have an impeachment inquiry, it would be all of them in public. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But we'll hear what uh, uh, Peter Schweitzer has to say coming up following the bottom of the hour. And. I just we just have to do the story because I read you the headline. Bill right. Mar Bill Mar calls out Barbie for pushing a preachy man hating zombie lie about the patriarchy. I mean, just the headline itself, and it's Bill Mar. We got at least, even though I don't want to see the movie, Eric. I I'm not going to watch the movie. If it was on TV, I'd watch it. If it came out, yeah, I, my probably one of my granddaughters, or maybe my maybe my youngest daughter might watch it i had some of my conservative women friend go see it and they thought it was fine they yeah. thought anything that might be at the you know the patriarchy was just came off almost to them as tongue-in-cheek and they're very sensitive to that stuff by the way yeah these people i know these women i know very sensitive well and they didn't seem to and i'm they're like well why don't you go see it i'm like no I'm you know, not going to see Barbie. Well, because I saw a few seconds of a clip. It was mixed in with other summer movies of 23 uh, clips. Uh, so it was only a short part of the trailer. And I thought to myself, my first question was, wow, is Mot Mattel has to be okay with this, I guess. They have to be. That's their product. But it seemed kind of almost an SNL skit in a way of a parody of Barbie. And I thought that's kind of odd because they, it's, they clearly gave the blessing. And so, you know, are there tons of messages in movies? Are, is there a lot of woke stuff on the screen? Yeah. Would it shock me? Nope. And do I care? It's nothing new. I did see the, um, oh, the one, uh, it was a meme or something like liberal Barbie. And it was Barbie just screaming. Yeah. You know, oh, just, yeah, yeah. The hair wall wild. Right. And Barbie yeah. just going. Aah! Yeah. Right. I'm like, I, yeah. I did like that. I mean, that right. Was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just think. You know, they need to quit talking about it so we're not forced to watch. Eight six six ninety red eye Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. At a roadside inspection, inspectors may ask to see supporting documents. A supporting document is a document generated or received by a motor carrier in the normal course of business that can be used by law enforcement to verify a driver's logs. These documents can include bills of lading, itineraries, schedules, or equivalent documents that indicate the origin and destination of each trip. They can also include dispatch or trip records, 
expense receipts related to on-duty slash not driving periods, including receipts for meals, lodging, and fuel, electronic mobile communication transmitted through a fleet management system, and payroll records, settlement sheets, or equivalent documents that indicate payment to a driver. Drivers using paper logs must also keep toll receipts. Supporting documents must contain the driver's name, carrier-assigned identification number or vehicle unit number that can be linked to the driver, the date, the name of the nearest city, town, or village, and the time. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Friday Radio, he's Eric Carlin, I'm Gary McNamara. Here it is, comedian Bill Maher is calling out the feminist box office smash. This is from Breitbart. Barbie for pushing what he calls a preachy, man-hating zombie lie pertaining to the movie's uh, incessant references to the patriarchy. Bill Maher posted a lengthy social media screed against Barbie, focusing on the plot line that finds Barbie confronting Mattel's board of directors, which is portrayed as all male. In reality, however, Mattel's board is comprised of 11 people, five whom are women. Bill Maher said the movie creates a zombie lie by knowingly perpetuating a long-dead falsehood. Barbie is that kind of zombie lie, he tweeted. Spoiler alert, Barbie fights the patriarchy. Oh, good, I know. That I don't have to go see it then. Good. Okay. I like that spoiler alert. There you go. Right up to the Mattel board who created her, consisting of 12 white men. The patriarchy, except <laughs> there's a Mattel board in real life, and it's seven men, six in actuality, and five women. Uh, don't know what that means, but okay, not perfect, not even Stephen, but not the way the board in the movie, which takes place in 2023, is portrayed, and not really any longer deserving of the word patriarchy. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> he goes, uh, this movie is so... 2000 late. <laughs> Mar- okay. uh, Bill Maher went on to say the Barbie's portrayal of stereotypical uh, male and female behavior feels bizarrely dated for a movie set uh, in 2023. I saw Barbie with a woman in her 30s who said, I don't know a single woman of any age who would act like that today, he wrote. So there you go. Well, but isn't it supposed to be over the top? I mean... Again, I'm just I'm judging from how campy the 20 seconds of trailer I watched was. It really came off as an SNL skit. And I know they might be saying, well, no, this but this is supposed to this is aimed at girls and adolescent girls and everything else. Yeah, but it's still really over the top. Personally, I think Bill Maher wrote about it only because he could talk about the fact that his date was in her 30s. No, that's a good point. Yeah, that's why I think he... Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> wonder if she's still with him.
listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here. I will uh, let you know that I was actually a couple of minutes late coming in uh, today. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, capitalism and and de- and democracies and uh, constitutional republics and socialism and communism. And so I was a little bit late because uh, when I get up now at right at 10 o'clock and I'm out the door in 20 minutes normally because, you, know, you know, jump in the shower and everything's ready to go. But the Seinfeld communism one was on. Uh, that'll slow you down. Yeah, it slowed me down. I mean, this is where Elaine dated the communist. Yeah. Yep. And yep. and I analyzed it last night. Oh, oh. You know, I analyzed it and said, okay, what were their feelings? Well, Elaine simply didn't like his fashion sense. Mm. You know? Yeah. Uh, Jerry was too busy with a, a race that he was involved in. Ah, right. I remember that race yep. that yep. 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 he was involved in? Right. Uh, Kramer seemed to be the one that was contemplating that communism might be a good thing. <laughs> You know, <laughs> uh, and that's when he was the Santa Claus at the mall. Yeah, right. The only two anti-communists in that entire episode was Mickey. Right. Yep. And was very upset at, at Kramer for bringing it up. And the department store manager who came walking out and called Kramer a pinko. <laughs> Get out of here, you pinko commie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And George didn't seem to care. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Are they hiring? <laughs> I was shaking my head, wa- you know, watching it, just going, oh, my God. Yeah. And and what what it had to be to be in that writer's room. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't even know how you got anything done. No, and I did see another interview on... There's a ton of stuff coming up on YouTube lately, going back on, you know, just the, the process of writing all of it. Yeah, right. And that's really hilarious. <laughs> and I didn't know that almost all of the insane things that you saw there actually happen to some of the writers in real life. Right. Yeah, they, they, they brought. That one was watching. A ton of stuff. That one. When I found out yeah. that Festivus. Uh, was actually celebrated by it. Now they didn't have the poll, but Festivus, and it was not a date just December 23rd as they had in the show. He said it was a floating holiday. It was one of the writers, and he talked about it, and he just said, no, I don't want to talk. This is just too weird. I don't want my family to know that I've been talking about Festivus. They (laughs) said, no, if it's something that embarrasses you completely as a writer, we're going to use it on the show. Oh, man, you have to use it. You've got to just let it go and 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 let it work for you. You would have to you would have to introduce it. But all the complete the the weirdest stuff that happened there, mm. so many of it happened actually in real life. And the funny thing was, it was like when uh, you had Jason Alexander saying, "You know, we're into this," and I finally went to Larry David and said, "We can't do this. This is absurd. These things don't happen to people, and nobody reacts like that." <laughs> right. And Larry David looked at him and said. 
what do you mean? It happened to me, and that's how I reacted. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, that's, all right, so pretty you gotta, much how it went down. You, you got to find the weirdest guy on the planet, yeah. and he's the, he's the he's your he's your head writer, <laughs> he's your head you know producer, the guy yeah. who's the strangest yeah. human being. Right. But uh, yeah, it was just so. I was uh, I was about ten minutes. I mean, I was on time to come on the radio by by you know. An hour, but I was a few minutes late. Yeah, well, all right. It a few happens. minutes late, too. So if I sound unprepared, blame Seinfeld. There you go. Uh, all right, I want to play this audio cut because we had uh, earlier we uh, talked about uh, Peter Schweitzer's group, the Accountability and Government Group, that's been monitoring what's been going on, uh, uh, you know, with the whole Hunter Biden situation. And we talked about in the last couple of days how the name Peter, Sch- uh, uh, excuse me, not uh, Eric, hmm. uh, Schwerin has uh, come up and and who is he? And we had read some of the quotes from Peter Schweitzer, what he had said, what he had written. Well, he was actually on uh, Fox Business Mm. with Larry Kudlow yesterday, and he was asked that specific question. Because a lot of people want to know, where where are the Republicans going next? What's going to happen next? You and I talked about earlier that uh, James Comer came out and said, we have more of the bank records coming out. Whatever that means, we'll see, apparently, in the next couple of days. And then the name Eric Schwerin has come up. Okay, this guy visited the White House, what, 36 times? Uh, And those are the official times that he visited, not the unofficial times. He may have gone to the White House and then the vice president's residence. Right. Uh, But here's Peter Schweitzer on who Eric Schwerin is. Well, I would say if Devin Arch was the architect, the sort of adult supervision on how to structure this, Eric Schwerin was the money guy. If you look at the laptop, Larry, Eric Schwerin is not only talking to Hunter Biden about moving money around, about Hunter's taxes, about Hunter's expenses. He's also talking about Vice President Joe Biden's finances uh, and getting bills paid. So he's the one where all the flows of money meet. Uh, and, uh, you know, the news that I have is that Schwerin had a falling out with Hunter Biden over personal reasons. Uh, the chairman of the Oversight Committee, Congressman Comer, has said that Schwerin is cooperating. So I think this is going to be the next important step before they eventually bring Hunter Biden in to testify. And the other point I would make, Larry, is we have to make sure I've kind of said this from the beginning Yes, this is about corruption, but there is a huge national security intelligence component to this. The three Chinese businessmen that brought Hunter Biden all of his deals in China that total some $30 million, each and every one of those businessmen who's named in the laptop was business partners or connected to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. So we should be thinking not just about quid pro quos, what Joe Biden was doing. We need to be thinking about the fact that Chinese businessmen were steering tens of millions of dollars to Hunter Biden. He was providing no discernible service in return. And each one of those businessmen has ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. We need to think about it in that context as well. Peter. Wow. Yeah. All right. And as we brought up. Yesterday and the day before, not one mention of Devin Archer's testimony on the Sunday morning news shows by the anchors themselves. Well, and because I don't know where you go with it. If you're in the liberal media group right now, you you really can't approach it because you still don't know 
what is yet to come. Well, you can't approach it if you're a political activist. Well, certainly you want to ignore it for right. that reason. Because but even if you wanted to attack right. it, I don't know how you attack it. Right, but our, my, I guess my point is, to show the difference, we would not ignore any story. No. And we have no. not ignored any story. No. We don't ignore a story. Oh, this thing's out on Trump. We're not going to discuss it because uh, it doesn't fit the... It doesn't fit the it doesn't fit the lie that we've been promoting mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. We talk every topic, and we have no fear to talk about any topic. For them, which was a huge, because that was really a momentum change yeah. when Devin Archer uh, came out. That's a, because it showed that the president had lied over and over and over again. And as you notice, the White House, is it on purpose? Are they trying to stay out of town as much as possible and have no pre- you know, press briefings in uh, D.C.? Are they paranoid because Ducey is back? Pete Ducey is back. Yeah, I have right. to ask the question because yeah. I saw the other day, oh, Ducey is back. I went, yeah. okay, the White House might be gone now for the next six months. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it's like they haven't – there hasn't been a press briefing now. We're to Wednesday. There hasn't, hasn't been a press brief, an official press briefing in – it would have been a Friday, what, Friday, this coming Friday, be two weeks. Yeah. Yep. And and is there a reason for it? Because, and, and because those questions are going to be coming up over and over and over again. And if Schwerin is cooperating, if Comer said he's cooperating and he has a beef, you know, with, uh, you know, had a falling out with Hunter Biden, mm. you know, there's nothing to keep him from testifying, especially – if he can get, as we found out, he can get immunity from Congress yeah, yeah. or any crimes he may have been yeah. involved with if you're going after, because we know that's a common practice when you're going after, quote, the big guy, end of quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, it's, you know. I'm sorry. I'm laughing at how I put the big guy in quotes. That's right. I'm. I know it's never, you're not supposed to laugh at your own jokes or comments. So mm-hmm. I apologize. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the, the, the problem, again, is I think the entire equation right now is that even outside the media, I don't think anyone on the left knows what's coming. Biden... Joe Biden and Hunter both know what happened. They know the truth. What they don't know is how much of that truth is going to be exposed. Can I ask you a question? Well, no, I can't. Uh, the question I have. You can. <laughs> I probably can't answer it, but you can ask as many questions okay, as you want. It's, it's sort of a rhetorical question, then, mm-hmm. I guess it would be, because you can't answer the question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that because they... Don't cover the story since they're not covering the story. They don't know the full story because if you haven't been following it day in and day out, you can lose track of the players. Yeah, you really can. Sure. Are they are the anchors themselves invested in as we are in any story of corruption or any story that rises to the level of the presidency? We knew. I mean, we knew. And we followed every single day, every allegation of the Democrats yeah. against Trump right. during Russia collusion, even though we never saw any 
legitimate evidence, and we talked about that every day. Where's the evidence? So, yeah, um, you know, you can you can still, as somebody in the media, pay attention and cover something. Mm. But if you're a political activist and your only goal is to push a lie and push your side no matter what, that's when you ignore a story. Well, if you don't care about the truth, you're not looking for it. And one thing about the truth, if you're not looking for it, chances are you won't find it. <laughs> no, that's that's true. But that has to be calculated because somebody in the meetings has to sit there and say, well, are we going to cover the Hunter Biden story yet? And somebody has to say no. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there has to be. Or or is the culture, you just don't discuss it. Here are the stories. Well, well, All right. Well, well what about I the, would, I nobody would, says what about the Hunter yeah, Biden story? Or the, I would wonder about that. I would wonder about are there one or two people in a newsroom? You know, uh, uh, someone like a Matt Taibbi or, or somebody, right? That's in the newsroom going, look, we've got a lot of stuff here to report on this. There's a lot of information to report. Yeah, we'll see where it goes first. I mean, they're, it's like they're either ignoring it completely to, of course, protect Biden. And, and that doesn't that's not anything new. Or well, if it if it actually does blow up, we'll cover. It. Until then. Find something else to write about. Because one thing that they we do know from the liberal media is and they've talked about it. You put Trump's name in a story, subscriptions go through the roof. Is that still the same today? That's what I was about to ask myself. I don't know if it is. I have to believe it is right now. Because because he is running. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, we talk about uh, uh, Biden and the White House will be gone for, you know, really two weeks. Last week and then all of this week, Pete Ducey was saying, yeah, he's expected to be, you know, not be back at all for this week. And so we're not going to know anything. Right. And uh, and I mentioned that Pete Ducey is back now. And, that, and that maybe that's <laughs> why Biden is, is staying away from the, uh, the, the White House. But when you think about it, you know, Devin Archer, uh, uh, Comer came out and said, look, the president's lying. Think about this. The president's line about this. He knew about his son's business activities. Right. He knew what his yeah. son was involved in. And think about this. There's been no response from the White House to that. No. Think about that. The White House, in, in, in something that they've been denying for two years now. Yeah. And the opposition comes out and says, this witness was there. You're lying and says it publicly. And there's no response at all from the White House saying the president is not lying. That's fascinating.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.